Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly. And not going to sugarcoat this. That Ohio State lost really sucked. <laughs> really sucked. I don't think I've been in my feels that hard in quite some time. Penn State fans, blogs, clamming about this and that. But at the end of last week's podcast, I kind of regretted it saying if we lose by a field goal or a touchdown, you know, it kind of as a moral victory. But, I mean, looking back on it, it's such a young team. I do think it was a step in the right direction. But I know that others want to address. Sorry for this awful, awful dad joke I'm about to pull here. Ever, a lot of fans want to address the elephant in the room. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> that was so bad. That was so bad. AKA Drew Aller. A for effort. Yeah, I'll take that. So, dead jokes are all about the effort. <laughs> the number one QB prospect coming out of high school is just sitting on the bench behind Sean Clifford. But before we dive into that game, let's go around the trenches, aka around the Big Ten. And Dave, I think the biggest news came from something we talked about when we played Michigan, the uh, tunnel situation. Yeah, tunnel gate round two. Uh, 2.0. 2.0. So uh, for can't remember for the life of me the name of the Michigan State player, but basically he deserted his team after the game and followed. The Michigan, Michigan you mean? No, it was a Michigan State player. Or I'm sorry, yeah, Michigan. Sorry, I had that backwards. Yeah, Michigan player basically deserts his team to follow the Michigan State team towards their locker room. Couldn't see what was said. I know ESPN had a couple different camera angles. And that ends up pretty close to getting jumped by a handful of Michigan. Close close uh, to getting jumped. I'd say that that would be the dictionary definition of jumped. (laughs) Uh, the Merriam-Webster def- definition of jump, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, definitely a lot more intense than the Penn State altercation that they had in that tunnel. So continues to be a hot topic, especially when you're talking about stadiums and renovations, potential of you know Big Ten stadiums, other conferences hosting college football playoff games as as the playoff expands. But yeah, definitely an interesting scene there. Um, you know, with, with what happened there. Yeah, definitely an escalation. I think the story, I don't know if it was true or not, the story that came out with the Penn State-Michigan halftime scuffle was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches being tossed like back and forth. A little more, a little more escalated than that. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Um, I said it when the Penn State-Michigan scuffle happened. Tradition, I'm a fan tradition. You would 48 minutes to legally kick their ass on the field. So don't bring that in the tunnel, no matter how angry you are, no matter how much chirping is going on. Mm -hmm. But Dave Portnoy, Michigan man himself, did did a breakdown and actually was very, I mean, biased towards Michigan, but split it pretty well down the middle where he, again, explained that Michigan player, as he said, skip to my lewd into their line going into the locker yeah. room, which is a which is a no-go it should be 
the losing team presumably should enter the tunnel first, get into yeah. their locker room. Winners can celebrate in the field. Once they're in the locker room, then they go in. So yeah. we'll see what happens to that. Probably more beefed up security, probably mm-hmm. some more protocols or whatever. But over to the wild, wild west of the Big Ten. Huge, huge game. Not this week, but next week. Illinois, number one in the West, 3-1 in the conference, 6-1 overall. They will host number two in the West, the Purdue Boilermakers, 3-2 in the Big Ten, 5-2 overall. Correction, 5-3 overall. But I did develop somewhat of a, do you watch South Park? Yes. Professor Chaos little scenario here. So we go back to to the the sneaky spread. So for the sake of Professor Chaos, let's say Wisconsin wins out, mm-hmm. which not out of the realm of possibility. Next game, they're home against Maryland, and they travel to Iowa, which could be an ugly, ugly game that anyone can win. Travel to Nebraska. And then they end their season at home against Minnesota. So the Professor Chaos theory is correct. They would have a lot to play for. Because in this theory, Illinois would have to lose out. <laughs> and they would have the same. So Wisconsin would have a six and three record in conference, eight and four overall. But would have that head to head tiebreaker. So we need Illinois to lose out in order for Wisconsin to get above them. So that would mean Purdue, who would only, they would have to beat, obviously, Illinois, mm-hmm. and then only have to lose one other game for them to have the same record as Wisconsin, 5-4 and four in the Big Ten, 7-5 <laughs> overall, and Wisconsin holds that tiebreaker over that. Purdue would have to, if Iowa this week, they'd have to beat Illinois. Then they face Northwestern at home, finish at Indiana. So they would have to lose to either Iowa, Northwestern, or Indiana. And then, obviously, Illinois would have to lose out. But Professor Chaos, anything can happen. The joys of being in the Big Ten West. (laughs) <laughs> Anything can have when Butters puts on his costume. Professor Chaos cannot be stopped. But big news in the East, which I think a lot of people saw coming at the beginning of the year. The Big Ten is going to come down to Michigan and Ohio State. As Penn State lost that, I would consider it heartbreaking. 44-31, even though it was and ending score is a lot closer than it really should have been. That two-minute period where Ohio State scored 14, 17 points. The one bright spot I do want to point out is Parker Washington. Kid has been balling. Among all Power 5 receivers, 18 catches, first, 249 yards, third among all power five receivers 104 yards after the catch that's fourth 
and six missed tackles forced after a reception. That is, again, fourth. So shout out CP Dub. He's crushing it. Draft stock certainly rising. But we'll go into the tor- the turmoil that was JT Tuimalua. I'm still having nightmares about anytime I sleep. It's just him flashing my face, just picking something off or stacking <laughs> somebody. Um, he, I've never seen a co- I mean, we talked about it last week how one college player can literally take over a game, but I've never seen a defensive player take over a game like that. And the coaching staff to do nothing about it, it was crazy. And like, you, I saw clip after clip of him just, and no offense to Tyler Eichner, like that kid's a, a freak of nature, a literal freak of nature. Like, he is bred to sack quarterbacks and intercept passes. Mm-hmm. So, like, what was the coaching staff doing? They were seeing the same stuff we were. Why don't they help? Yeah, I mean, for uh, Tumula, for on the year, the stats necessarily haven't been there, but the talent is very evident. I mean, Ohio State got this kid. He's a West Coast kid. Recruitment came down to the wire, and they plucked him, so they knew exactly what they were getting in him. The interesting to your point, the interesting thing is over the last couple of weeks, I know in Minnesota, your sits utilized the tight ends a lot more and even did in this game as well. But the week prior, when folks, the reporter of the media is asking, hey, where's the tight end involvement? And he took the time to explain, hey, where we're lacking on the offensive line, we're having to utilize these guys to help chip and help. And we just didn't see that at all. So it's talking of his ass like well, come on man three weeks ago and when you needed it most where the hell was it so that that was for sure frustrating but yeah the absolute game of his life that Tomoa played and like you said you know anytime I'm throwing a water bottle on a trash can now I'm thinking it's gonna get fucking swatted down so <laughs> he so the thing that beginning of the game I think the first interception Let's just jump right into Clifford. Yeah. First interception. I'm going to say that's not his fault. Right? That pass gets bad in the air. Interception. That's that's second one. That's when I was... The remote almost went through the TV. I was like, are you... Takes the snap. Stares down Catron Allen. JT's blanketing him literally blanketing him and he's like you know what i'm gonna fling this in here as hard as i can and i was just like what is going are you even are you even reading any other routes like are you just honing in on one specific person so that's where i just because i've tried to maintain positivity and belief in cliff but that's where i just i lost it absolutely lost it Especially as a, six-year, as a six-year quarterback. This is your fourth time playing Ohio State. And you call it first-grade level read progression as a quarterback. High school level. You just can't do high school. Middle shit, middle school level. There's no reason. There's not, there's not much that. passing middle school. A lot, <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of sweeps. and HB sweep. Guts. Right or left. <laughs> but to try to squeeze that ball in there. And afterwards, was, you could you could – twist any play anyway right you can take a screenshot of the play and see tinsley's open on the left 
you know, on that, on that out route, but even mm-hmm. so throw the fucking ball away. Like you cannot force that in that scenario, but it, yeah, it was, it was God awful. However, I will stand on my point. I won't backtrack on my point. I think because he bounces back. So I think that's that's the quality that the players in the locker room see in him. Because after that, he leads them on two six-play drives over 70 yards each, touchdown passes on each of them, and then a 13-play 75-yard drive, which gave us the lead 21-16 with less than 10 minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. And then all hell broke loose. I mean, even on that sack fumble, it was the right tackle lined up against JT. Bulldozes. Boom. Like, on the pick six, excuse me. Mm -hmm. So, like, it was just, I can't put, I can't put more than 60% of the blame on Cliff because the offensive line didn't show up. The coaches didn't show up to help the offensive line protect them. The stats were awful. Second picky through was inexcusable. Can't have that. Can't have that. But the other one batted at the line. And then the last one I just mentioned, it was literally Reggie White reincarnated, just dis- dismantling anyone on his path, leaping up for that was his second pick of the game, right? For the pick six, the last one. I believe that was his third. Uh, that last one was his third, the pick six. Because after yeah. all, so like, good. just a Reggie White type performance from a sophomore. But still, Cliff, 68% completion, 32 of 47. Which, by the way, we should not be asking Sean Clifford to throw the ball nearly 50 times a game. <laughs> I know we said like we can't run up the gut, but the stretches and the screens were working. Mm-hmm. Three yeah, yeah. yards, three touchdowns, and then let's say one and a half interceptions. So a two to one ratio, and then the fumble. Yeah, so, I mean, going back to the that, yeah, I don't it's, know. it's tough. I mean, going back to the Efner one, even still there, you got to have some wherewithal that the pocket's closing in on you, and. So that one, it's hard to say for me to give the excuse to him. And ultimately, the if you look at the body of work over the season, in knowing that Cliff, you know, he has those moments where he can bounce back. Purdue, right, through the interception, but was able to overcome it because it's Purdue. Minnesota throws that god-awful pick in the first half and then bounces back, has a great game. Here, when you're talking about trying to beat Ohio State, you can't make one turnover you had to play nearly flawless he said himself i have to play the game of my life and yeah, that, to have that quote out there and to literally almost single-handedly blow it by with those four to six terrible plays i know it seems like it's a small map but when you're trying to beat an ohio state giving them the short field mm-hmm. that many times and the defense held their own and totally totally and for the defense people are, you know, people are tripping the defense can kick rocks they held them to 98 yards rushing yes and then yeah they played a short field the entire time so anyone wants and harrison went off obviously they moved him from the slot to the left to the right so give me a break with the defense 
not doing the same too though you know they definitely did wilt you know in that little that one drive that one drive was very bad 21 16 nine minutes left given the scenario given the situation they definitely wilted harder than they they should have i know they were put in a lot of tough spots all game long but you absolutely cannot just fold like that but in that same time frame Cliff had, you know, he had the pick six and to not to be able to get anything going. And in those key moments, that's what really, that's the light that shines on this is he just isn't enough to be able to get over a juggernaut. Yes. Like Ohio State, or as we saw with Michigan, he just doesn't have the talent to be able to compete with that team because he's just going to make the mistakes. It's, he's shown it over the last four years. Yeah. I I think what I'm most, upset about is like we knew this coming in so the people that are freaking out like sean cliver sean Cl- it's like we we knew who this guy was coming in we yeah. knew it call for drew Aller all you want the first episode we said it's a gift and a curse the penn state family tradition mm-hmm. you're not going to have a nick saban in there pulling a senior leader Mm-hmm. Of a team of a team that brought him to the national championship at halftime to put in a true freshman. That's not James Franklin. That's not Penn State. He to admit it, if this is the first time you're hearing it, but that's not Penn State. Maybe we'll get to that point, but the family aspect of it is what drives a lot of players to play here. You can see in the NFL. I mean, a lot of talented players come from Penn State. Mm-hmm. So it's a gift and a curse. And we definitely saw the curse of it Saturday. Um, Have you heard anything on, I know he's been, Franklin has been very mums the word on who the starter will be against Indiana. But have you heard any rumblings in your inner Penn State circle? Yeah, the interesting thing this week was so you look at after the Minnesota game where he has his post-game presser and he says, or I'm sorry, during that week, the week after where he says Sean Clifford was Big Ten Player of the Week. And then he pauses and looks around the room. This week was very different where he was very adamant to point, not blatantly point the finger at him, but he very clearly said there was about four to six plays that you just can't have. But other than that, he said he thought Cliff played well. So what his kind of tune this week, which has been interesting, is he hasn't been as adamant as he has been about Clifford, where he hasn't blatantly said Sean Clifford's our starting quarterback. The way he worded it was, we're going to go with the guy, the guy that gives us the best chance to go 1-0 this week. So I thought that was very interesting. And then a couple of uh, Penn State, you know, local media reporters just kind of straight up asked him, is, is there a chance Drew Aller could start? And he said... I don't like the tone of the question, but I, I do understand you. And he said, that's not a decision I'm going to make on my own. He said, I'm, I've already had and will continue to have conversations with Mike Gersich, Manny Diaz. So take that how it is. My gut tells me he's still going to roll Cliff out there against Indiana. Although for me, I think these last four games, I think Drew Aller should be able to win you these last four games. And again, you know, I've been in the depths of PSU Twitter, 
God, I've even been in Facebook messaging boards after this brutal loss. Facebook is going back and forth with two-year-olds. But they're like, we got to go 10 and two. We got to go 10 and two and we get it. But, you know, we got to get ready for the future. But my and guess, also, here's who I'm voting for, for the midterms. And <laughs> yeah. But I think Cliff will start. I think we may see Aller a lot more because, I mean, we have to wait and see, but I think there should be a lot more pressure. Hey, you lost your two biggest games, and you're talking about a season where you do have a chance to go 10-2, and two, but your best win, if you win out, is probably going to be Maryland. So mm-hmm. it, it's time to start. Pretty, pretty potentially, depending game. on how they finish. Correct, yeah, but. So we'll see. But I thought that was interesting where you didn't blatantly say Sean Clifford's our starter. Yeah. And who knows what, I mean, who knows what's going on at practice too. You know, Drew might not have an entire grasp of the playbook yet. Might not have that chemistry timing with the receiver. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why we haven't seen him as uh, before. Mm-hmm. Obviously before the Ohio State game or Michigan game like many wanted to see. Um, I'm not, by the way, I'm backing Sean Clifford. I'm not hating on Drew Aller whatsoever. This is just me sticking to my original take that I think Sean Clifford has that dog in him. He can fight back. But yeah, he. I, I've said it time and time again, he is what he is. So just want to put that out there. I'm definitely, I don't know. I'm, I'm team Aller. I'm team Aller for, <laughs> for the future. But just to let you all know, I am still rooting for Cliff. Still my guy. So moving on from that awful defeat, we got some low-hanging fruit. Indiana. We are 14-point favorites, I saw on DraftKings, with 115 juice. Over-under set at 15 and a half. Some historical betting tips for you. Penn State's 23 and 2 straight up against Indiana, but only 13 and 12 against the spread. So, for whatever reason, the Hoosiers have our number, give us a little bit of trouble. Their quarterback is Connor Bazalek. Bazalek. Was it? Basilac. Basilac. Connor Basilac. And he is very much hit or miss. Very up and down quarterback. He threw for the Maryland game three touchdowns, two picks. And then in that Rutgers loss, which they were completely injury riddled through a pick there on the season. 12 touchdowns to nine inter. Exceptions, not much of a rusher, and then back. To, so they had to buy last week. So their last game was the Friday night game mm-hmm. against Rutgers two weeks ago, and the injury bug hit hard. They had their number one, unfortunately, receiver, junior wide receiver, Cam Camper. Unfortunately, towards ACL in the Rutgers game. So best of wishes to him and his recovery, but he was absolutely balling out for that Hoosier team this year. Team high in targets, 84. Second to him was Emery Simons with 46. 
46 catches. Second to him was Emory Simons again with 29. 569 yards for Camper. Second to him again, Emory Simons, 309. So he's doubling up Emory in every single receiving category. But I think the main weapon on their offense that should scare us the most is the Auburn transfer running back, Sean Shivers. Shivers? Who? Shivers, yeah. Who was actually knocked out of the Rutgers game. It took a huge hit. Finished with four carries for only three yards. One catch, 24 yards. However, on the season, having pretty nice season um, overall. Dual threat back. 103 carries for for 404 yards, four touchdowns, 20 receptions, 121 yards receiving. So their offense, not much to be concerned about. A running game, a running defense does seem to have some holes in it. So. Mm-hmm. Shivers could be a problem out of the backfield, but I don't see really any, especially with the loss of Kim Camper, I really don't see anyone on this team really taking over. But the way Connor, I'm going to just call him Basilisk. He looks, I'm looking at his pro, I'm looking at his picture, he looks like a slithering to me. Connor Basilisk. I don't think he's going to be able to take over the game, so. Interesting note about the QB position that I picked on too is Indiana's coming into this game limping. I know they're coming off a bye, but they got five straight losses and read a quote where a reporter asked Tom Allen where he thinks they need to improve most. And he straight up said at the quarterback position. So could saw a couple kind of whirlwinds going around where he could be hinting at a potential quarterback change, which would mean our guy, Jack Tuttle, could be stepping into the starting slot this week. And another interesting note about Tuttle is uh, we didn't I didn't catch it last week, but he actually entered the transfer portal before that Rutgers game. And <laughs> listen to the stand-up guy that Jack Tuttle is. He is gonna stick out the rest of the season with the Hoosiers and play if needed. So oh, that's the kind of guy that Jack my guy. is. And he could find himself starting for the Hoosiers against our Penn State Nittany Lions this Saturday. <laughs> if you're watching the YouTube, I've just been smiling this whole time. <laughs> I, watching your I never, I never thought I would we would play Jack Tuttle again. This is this is <laughs> the best thing in the entire world. Yeah, so hoping for the best. But what, the, what would you give that percentage wise? Fifty fifty. I'd give it the way the season's gone. Honestly, I would give it fifty fifty. Yeah, Connor Basilis. To your point, Basilis has been nothing special. Yeah. Uh, and Tuttle, he might just give him a breath of fresh air. So, wow. Wow. That is incredible. That just got me so hyped to see, see Tuttle again. <laughs> but further, with the injury bug suffered two weeks ago on their Friday night game against Rutgers, linebacker Cam Jones, who has 37 tackles on the year, they're third leading pass rusher is out i read this saturday with a foot injury so another blow to their defense where do they rank in terms of 
rushing uh, yards per game and passing yards per game. Where are the weakest? So it's they struggle with the rush. So as a defense as a whole, they rank 99th nationally in total defense, giving up about at a 131. Yeah, yeah, pretty bad. So 415 yards per game. Uh, six of their seven contests this year, they've given up a or allowed a 100 yard rusher, and they lead the Big Ten in 30 plus yard plays given up. So plenty of room for those explosive plays this week and to win the explosive play battle for for the Mets. You said six of seven. They've given up a 100 yard rusher, and that includes one Rutgers one 100 yard rusher. Yeah, so, so they've allowed a 100-yard rusher in six of seven games. Yeah. Ah, that's pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, looking at their secondary, they have their most targeted player in the secondary is Tywan Mullen. Mm-hmm. Who's been there for a good bit, so he's pretty, yeah. he's pretty seasoned. He's... He's seasoned, but not having the best year. Yeah. Playing on the outside, I believe. Yeah, it goes back and forth between left and uh, right corner. He has been targeted 30 times. Again, team high. Allowed 24 receptions, 63.2 catch rate for 277 yards. So 11.5 per reception. Seven touchdowns against him. To one pick, three pass breakups. That's a one thirteen point seven passer rating when thrown to him, and three penalties in coverage. So, having a good season. A little questionable. <laughs> I think that definitely should be a guy that we should target. And then on the other side, I think no, no Pierre plays in the slot and then Jalen Williams is their other outside corner mm-hmm. who is sixth on the team in terms of uh, target thrown at him 20 targets he's allowed 12 catches for 164 yards one touchdown and three pass breakups so between those two on the outside yeah. I'm going with door a <laughs> the guy who's let up seven touchdowns on the year. These days in college football, I was going to say, if you're there for all four years or longer, it's probably because you're not very good. <laughs> yep, that's 100% true. And then you're letting up seven touchdowns with the most penalties and pass yeah. coverage on the team. So I'm going to call for a huge day for Mitchell Tinsley. I'm going to go with that. Okay. Like Mark Washington has shown out i mean that guy has been that kid has been killing love i love watching him play ever even last year he was just making his catch radius him and Jahan dotson those catch radiuses was unreal to watch it was so cool i think tinsley's gotta come out this week i think parker's like you know what been killing it give me my 85 Mm -hmm. and you can go off for 150 and two dotties (laughs) and then once the game's in line i think katron singleton gonna take over yeah i'd love to see singleton get going or at least pop a couple he's 
He's been productive and had had some really nice runs, but to see him get back to where he was, man, for that Auburn game and Ohio game, to see him be able to pop a nice 50, 60 yard run would be good to see and good for good for him. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a negative way. He's been quiet in terms of his potential. Still still a freshman, but every time he touches the ball, I'm expecting him to go the distance every single time. So it should be, we are 14 point. That seems like a, I don't know, well, disrespectful spread there. I guess they're coming off a bye, so they're accounting for that, but. Vegas could be playing a little bit cautiously too on the Penn State side as to where the season goes from here, especially after the last couple seasons have gone where after they've had those crushing defeats. So that could definitely be playing a factor too. And did the AP poll come out? It did. And the first college football rankings, which was pretty kind to the Knits, had us penciled in at number 15. So I thought, I thought that was, oh, that was, that was Tuesday. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, Tuesday. yeah. So we were number we're 15 in, we're in, 15 the, in the initial rankings. Yes. Wow, that's very kind. I mean, that just shows us the strength of the Big Ten East. For sure. Enough of these divisions. I'm so yeah. freaking sick of them. <laughs> so freaking sick of them. Let's just get right to it. Yeah. Everything that people have been waiting for. Greatest betting competition on planet Earth. The Big Ten betting bonanza week number 10 right 10 yeah double digits baby it's the nfl and the college the one we golf always <laughs> fucks me up messes me up i'm sorry week number 10 big 10 betting bonanza and i got a comeback in the works ladies and gentlemen And we are back, week number 10 of the Big Ten betting bonanza. Last week was not good, just like the Penn State game. Wasn't good for the boys. Combined record, 1-5. But Davey Barron still remains, in statistical terms, a pro better. Go over last week, however... After a streak of three no's, two and ones, two and ones, three no's, he has our first 0 and 3 week of the year, unfortunately. Goose egg for Davey. Lost the under in Northwestern Iowa, which who could have saw that coming? Right, 37 and a half. I, I honestly thought that game was going to be six to three. It was too obvious. Yeah. A little too obvious, a little sticky. Uh, lost the under 62 in Penn State, Ohio State, which that last touchdown, I'm sure, did not. I mean, probably felt good in your heart, but mm. not your wallet. Nope. And then you had the bold move, which in retrospect, I'm kind of glad you took that from me because my one win came from the game that you took. The Nebraska money line. Which- 
lost. Swing and a miss. Back. What, what, what was the game? Was that the week nine? Yeah, that. Yeah, so that freaking Nebraska game. 26 to nine, dude. <laughs> like they were putting up, they were throwing up so many points all game. I've, I saw that final score and I was like, damn, go back. Because <laughs> I was, I had money on that too. Like I said, doubling your bets. Yeah. Singles on mine. So on the week, like I said, Dave, in week number nine, 0 3, down 2.8. Seven units, zero bonanza points. But that does not stop him from being a professional gambler in the Big Ten on the year. 15 and nine. That's 62.5%. Plus 6.85 units and 21 bonanza points. Going over to my side. AKA the underdog side, Rocky Balboa side. F1, everyone's rooting for the comeback and win side. I went one and two. Back to, back to my one and two days. But the one I hit was good. Penn State plus 15 and a half. This one, this one stung. I did the research. This is my fourth bet this year. I've lost by 0.5 points. Two totals by half point. This is my second first half spread that missed by half point. I had Michigan minus 13 and a half. They were up 13 to nothing at halftime. <laughs> so I lost that one. The other 0.5 I missed was Illinois, Iowa when Illinois won nine to Freaking six, and I had three and a half. That I mean, I could not be having a more curse season. I don't know what I did before, but I need to get some. My chakras going, my reiki going, something to, yeah. to get rid of these demons. And level. then the ultimate demon just flew through my body. Basically, exercise made to take. Northwestern plus 11. I don't know what I was thinking taking that game. <laughs> Lost that. So my week nine, one and two, down 1.1 units, but one bonanza point to date zero. So slowly climb, back, slowly climb back. But I fall to blue 500 once again. I'm 11, 12, and 1 on the season, down 1.9 units, plus 13 bonanza points to Dave's 21. So I'm only down 8. couple money line bets, a couple Hail Mary throws here and there. You never know what could happen. <laughs> Dave, as always, you were in the lead. You go first. All right. Wow. Well, well, it looks like a lot, but I got him right. <laughs> well, it's fresh on the mind. We just went through this game. Nits at Indiana. Sticking with my totals. Over 50 and a half. I think the explosive plays run wild in the Nits' favor here. I think they score at least 
35 to 42 points. And I think Indy, Indiana will probably tack on a touchdown or two. And I think this over hits 50 and a half. So you, I believe you took the Penn State unders the past two weeks, right? I did. And it's a lost. Another time's the charm, baby. So they're going yeah, over. under and the whiteout didn't hit, and then the Ohio State didn't hit. So they've been over the past two weeks, and now you're going for a third straight over. I'm going to change my first pick. <laughs> I'm going to battle you in that. Oh. I'm going to go just because they've gone over two straight. Yeah. What are the odds? What are the odds of a flipping a coin land on heads three times? Oh. Not likely. I'm going to go Penn State, Indiana, under half. I think we score. I think we get up to 24. I think we hold them to. I honestly do not see their offense doing anything in this game. To be completely honest. repeat of last year. To be completely honest. So I'm going under. And I don't don't think we're in 50. Six on our own, to be completely honest. Especially, especially with Penninger's field goal kicking. I mean, that the thing can go right down the middle, or it can go literally (laughs) directly east or directly west. Nothing in between. (laughs) All right, so we got another battle on our hands. All right. Uh, Pick number two, going Maryland at Wisconsin. You went through your chaos scenario for whiskey or i'm sorry for yeah for whiskey but Mm -hmm. uh, i'm gonna take the over in this one i think maryland's high flying offense continues and i think wisconsin's boded well for me in the past getting some points for me when it didn't seem like they would but this one's also at 50 and a half seems to be the trend this week in the big 10 but i am gonna take the over in this one as well over 50 and a half that's the november total 50 and a half um is Tua or Tua Talia? Talia. He's I believe he is back, yeah. Or good to go rather. So I think he's they they definitely had to buy it last week, I believe. I believe so. I didn't see them on the schedule at all. But yeah, they had to buy. Yeah, but okay. That's a good pick. The total man the total man's back. <laughs> I'll stick with that game. Um like we said, this constant chaos could happen. And the Professor Chaos, the Joker in me wants to take Wisconsin minus five. What the hell? What is what is what these Wisconsin stank spreads do? Oof, yeah. Minus five against a Maryland team that's coming off a bye. Mm-hmm. And is also no slouch. They're six and two, three and two in the Big Ten. So for me, that game just screams Wisconsin minus five. But I'm gonna go ahead and take Maryland first half money line plus one forty. How for a bet? Giddy up! And I don't know if you want to count that as a plus one or a plus three. Because it is only the first half, so. Uh, plus one four. Let's mark it up as a plus three. You're in the lead, so. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. 
You're you're a generous god. You were a generous god. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Maryland at Wisconsin. First half spread. Maryland winning plus one forty. Money not. And your final pick. Final pick. So sticking on the chaos train, and this could go south and get ugly, but we got ourselves a primetime Big Ten matchup in Piscataway on the Big Ten Network. Mm-hmm. We got the Wolverines fresh off Tunnelgate 2.0 heading to the always rowdy, the always ruckus crowd in Piscataway. Rucker Scarlet Knights, the disrespect, getting 26 at home. I think Michigan wins this game. I don't think there's any sense of the world where they could get upset here. But I think Rutgers covers the plus 26. Uh, like I said, I'm going out on a limb here. Could, could, I could look really stupid next week, but I'm going to take the Scarlet Knights plus 26. I I, I took that award. Don't don't try to take that from me. I had Northwestern plus eleven. All right, <laughs> that award is mine. Rutgers. I looked at that game, and then I remembered the three or four times I bet Rutgers, and they failed me every freaking time. <laughs> but I won't do it again. But I do like that pick. How many tunnels does Rutgers Stadium have? I think they got two. <laughs> I could throw them off. Good, yeah. <laughs> if you'll change. <laughs> um, okay. So my last pick is going to be sticking with Tunnelgate 2.0. Michigan State can't be too th- thrilled with themselves. Mm-hmm. I believe there's a video that they have from the tunnel. That's going to show some pretty, I don't know if it's out already. I didn't look it up because I, I, truthfully, I, I don't care to see that. Yeah. Just like people beating up on each other with no defense. So Michigan State shambles. Mm-hmm. Shambles. Yeah. Legally and football-wise. <laughs> They're going to Illinois. Who, I don't know. If you've been watching, has been dominating. To go off that, Michigan State, 97th out of 131 in the FBS and run defense, given a 168.6 on the ground. Chase Brown goes off for another 150 plus yard game. Spread is 16 and a half, which I love. 17, hit it right on the money. Give me that, Illinois. Fighting Illini to cancel all the chaos theory that I just put out there. <laughs> minus, if it doesn't hit, then we got chaos, baby. Minus well, 60. I guess we could still win and not cover, but. Well, then yeah, I look like a genius either way. Because <laughs> I got the, I either get, get the bet right or I get the chaos theory right. So, right. It's absolutely right. Playing both sides here. <laughs> so there are three picks for week 10. Of the Big Ten betting bonanza. I'm not sure who you should trail or fade. Probably do your own research this week. Bet responsibly, <laughs> as always. And as always, thank you for listening to us. We love talking Penn State football. We appreciate all of you for 
listening to us, supporting us on all of our platforms. And we're going to keep this rolling till the wheels fall off until the season's over. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys.